How you gonna follow that? Uh, I got Ava's uh, baptismal certificate. So if you would don't leave today before you get it, please, ma'am. I miss her this morning. She here? Okay. <coughs> Good to see you all this morning. I uh, I don't know what I did this week. But somehow or another, I moved a certain way, and my back is out. And I'm having a little trouble with it. Uh, but the uh, Lord's good. I didn't know if I was even going to be able to stand here this morning. But I am, and I feel better since I got here. It's always good to come to church. <laughs> I mean it. Every time I feel like I can't make it, if I get up and come home after I get here, I'm fine. So I, I'm just glad I'm saved today. Amen. Uh, Pray for Juanita. Don't forget that, if you would, please. Uh, She's home. God's answered prayer there. And she's home. Pray for my daughter, Cheryl, that plays the piano. Uh, She's uh, in California. She went out to see her grandbaby and my great-grandbaby. And she's been sending me pictures, so I'm happy about that. But also pray for Mrs. Harden. She's up in Atlanta. She called me and told me she made it over to Atlanta, is that right? And so she's there with her other son. And um, she got, how many sons? You got three, isn't it? Supposed to be. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's hard to keep up with it. Well, you don't count. Yeah, I know. But uh, anyhow, she's, she's doing good. Just want me to tell everybody she loves you. This morning, if you would, please turn your Bibles to one of my favorite stories. Samuel, Second uh, Samuel, chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I heard Dr. Harold Seidler preach on this portion of Scripture several years ago, and I never I, I, I think it's one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard in my life. And But uh, there's so much in it that I suppose that you could preach on it from now on. But uh, I'd like to read some of it to you. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any in the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And now when Mephelishes, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I serve. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I am. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, 
I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. Thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's sons may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba was fifteen, had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, says the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelled in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and was lame on both his feet. Heavenly Father, I pray today, help us understand from this portion of Scripture, and many more like them, Lord, that tells us the great grace of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try to do the impossible, I suppose, and that is I'd like to try to explain a little bit of the grace of God. Uh, Dr. Harold Seidler said in that great sermon he said years ago, trying to explain the grace of God is trying to hug a mountain. You never get it done. And it's the truth. God's grace is greater than human's word can describe. God's grace is intellable, unthinkable, unsingable, unwritable, unpreachable. But thank God, His grace is experimental. The grace of God can save the souls of sinners, can change the course of life, can ransom the doom and hopeless, can mend the broken home, can convert the drunken father. The grace of God can save any sinner. Dispel the gloom, nullify the hate, rescue the bum, uh, cleanse the hearted, purify the evil-minded, lift up the fallen, deliver that one from the snares of Satan. Think about it, the grace of God. There's room in the grace of God uh, to include every sinner upon the earth. Doesn't matter what they've done or who they are. And uh, so the next few minutes, I want to just give you four things about the grace of God. Number one, grace is God loving sinners. First John 4 verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. The secret of God's grace is He loves us. I might understand why God could cleanse an upright and honest person. And by the way, there is such a thing. There is good people in this world. Amen? Amen. There's good, honest people in this world. And there's people that wants to live right in this world. I can understand God loving somebody like that and wanting to save them. But the more I think about it, it's hard for me to understand why God would love somebody like me as a sinner. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I think about who said that. Paul, one of the greatest men that's ever walked to face this earth, I suppose. And he said he was a chief of sinners, and yet Christ loved him. Now, I know this one thing then. Jesus loves me. Now, I look at God's grace. 
uh, the, when you think about it, you think about the wild men of Gadira. You think of the vile woman that was taken in adultery in John chapter 11. You think of a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And when he looked at the people today, uh, we're born again, made citizens of heaven, and we can't think of nothing but one thing. It's only by the grace of God that we can be called the children of God. The only motive for any of this is God's grace. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. Amen. God's love is the first step in my salvation. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commended His love toward us, and yet while we were yet sinners. So uh, we conclude that grace is God loving sinners, number one. Grace is God giving His Son for sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God has commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His only begotten Son to be the perpetuation for us. God has not only saved us, but He has proven His love for us by offering His Son upon the cross of Calvary. Uh, God's grace is not only God loving sinners, but God's grace is also God giving His dearly beloved Son for sinners on the cross of Calvary. Number three, Grace is God lifting sinners from the miry clay of sin. One of the greatest verses I come across when I first got saved was David saying that God reached down in the miry clay and lifted me up and set my feet on solid ground. Amen. I read that one day and I, big old tears come to my eyes and I got to thinking that's exactly what God did to me. He reached down in the depths of sin and lifted me up out of my sin and set my feet on solid ground and got me going for Him. Amen. That's grace. That's the grace of God. We don't deserve that. There's no way we can deserve it. God is lifting sinners out of this fiery clay. Only the grace of God can do such a thing. Romans 3.25 Whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past of forbearance of God. John 3, verse 3. Really, really, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't do that. You can't born yourself into the family of God. You can't save yourself from your sins. you got to remember something. God hates sin. Amen? And yet the grace of God causes him to love sinners. There can be no doubt that that man in his natural state is lost and without God. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if any man gets saved as all, he's got to go to God and say, Only by your grace, Lord, am I one of your children. Man cannot lift himself. Man cannot free himself from the judgment of God, a holy God. Man, the more I read of the Bible... And I'm, I'm over in the book of uh, Exodus right now, going backwards, reading the Bible back through it, and just enjoying it so greatly. The more I read the Bible, the more I realize how holy God is. Man, it scares me to death just to think about how holy God is. And a sinner like me being in His presence? But thank God I can. You know why? Because of the grace of God. And that's the only reason Man is a hopeless creature. 
until, until and unless God intervenes and lifts him up out of his sin by his free grace. In his mercy, has, his mercy has been placed upon the lost sinner. He lifted me out from the deep miry clay. He has settled my feet upon the rock to stay. You and I are held in traps of sin, but Jesus came and set me free from my sin. That's grace. Now, here's what I'm getting at. Everything that God teaches you doctrinally about salvation, He gives you a picture of it in the Bible if you look for it. A word picture of it. That's what Second Samuel chapter 9 is. Let me show you how it works. Let's go back now to Second Samuel chapter 9. Verse 1 is grace illustrated. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Deba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, Mephibosheth was born, and is made, if you'll go back and you'll study it, you'll find it is made with a... With a when the enemy was coming into their city to destroy them, his maid was carrying this little boy named Mephibosheth as a baby and dropped him. And when he dropped him, by the fall was he made crippled. Did you know it's only by the fall of sin that you're made crippled? You can't walk right for God. You can't do anything right for God. Why? Because you're a sinner. You can't help yourself. Listen to me. Sin crippled you and I at birth. We're born into sin. King David is an illustration of God's the Father. Now watch this. Ziba is an illustration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fetches you to Christ Jesus to be saved, the King. Verse 7 is grace illustrated. Look at verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. What for? For Jonathan, thy father's sake. Did you know the only reason you go into heaven? Not for your sake. It's for Jesus' sake. It's for the Son's sake. Another's sake. The king showing kindness to a dead dog. Mephibosheth said, I ain't nothing but a dead dog in the sight of God. Jonathan, that type of Christ, the only reason David showed kindness to Mephibosheth was because of Jonathan, whom the king loved. Remember the love that David had for Jonathan and Jonathan for David? That God the Father shows His kindness to you and I because He loves His Son. I was saved because Jesus, uh, nothing else. Nothing in my hands I bring, only the cross I claim. That's grace. That's the grace of God. Then lastly notice Mephibosheth sitting at the king's table eating bread with all the knights of the round table. Man, I was reading the other day where I think uh, David had 600 mighty men. Now, you don't mess with them guys. I'm serious. Man, I, I read some of the things they did. Did you know one of them went down into a pit with a, a, a lion-like man and killed him? Uh, another one took it. Was, I think it was 600 men or something like that. Come in, or might have been a thousand come at him at one time with spears and so on, and he went down in one acre of land, one parcel of land. He killed every one of them with nothing but a staff in his hand. Just a, just a shepherd's staff in his hand. He killed every one of them. One of David's mighty men. 
And you read of all David's mighty men and all the things that they did and the might that they were, and there they are now sitting around uh, King David's table. That night of the table, if you put all these great men sitting around that table, and there's that little cripple boy sitting there. Now watch this. You can't see nothing but here up. Looking at him, you think he's just as old as everyone the rest of them knights and those great men. You can't see his crippleness. They're under the table. That's grace. Did you know that God can't see your sins? God sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ and you become as white as snow. You're cleansed from your sin. That's grace of God. And there's that little cripple boy sitting at King's table. And by the way, if you'll notice, uh, Zeba is a type of the Holy Spirit. And who provides you all of the greatness of God all your life? The Holy Spirit does. He provides for you. He takes care of you. And you notice that they, the Bible says here that David said now, uh, Zeba which is a type of the Holy Spirit, Ziba, a servant of God, you go down there and you take care of him. You feed him. You take care of him. Everything he's got, you take care of it and give it to him. Now, Mephibosheth, sitting at a king's table, eating bread with all the knights of the round table, and looked just as one of the king's men. That's grace. That's the grace of God. Amen? Ain't it going to be something? I've led people to the Lord, honest to goodness, and and I'm not I'm not trying to say anything bad about nobody, but I've led some bad people that we would call bad people to the Lord. I never will forget one in particular. A man called me one day. He just got my name out of the phone book when I as a pastor, and uh, he called me. And he was on the corner of Nebraska Avenue. And Temple Terrace, just north there, there's a bar there. And he was in a phone booth. And he called me and he said, uh, Preacher, I want to commit my, I'm going to commit suicide. I don't want to live no more. I said, don't do that. I'll be there in a few minutes. Give me a few minutes. And I lived on Bush Boulevard at the time. And I took, up, uh, took off up there and I had a little orange Volkswagen. Never will forget it. I mean, one of them bugs, you know. And it had, I had flowery seats, sunflowery seats. I had wood steering wheel. I had a, a big wheels on it with wood wheel. I mean, man, that thing was something else. And I've come flying up there that phone booth. I got out and I got, talked to that man. And as I was talking to him, my Bible standing there by that Volkswagen, that bar, just all of them come out of the bar. I mean, all of them come out there around my boat. I literally had to get on top of that Volkswagen with my Bible in my hand and preach to that bunch and all them drunks and things come out there listening to me and I preached the Word of God and three men got saved that night. One of them was the guy that called me. Two others got saved. And I said, now, fellas, y'all want to get your life straightened out. At that time, we had an alcoholics center for men and I said, if you want to get, get in this Volkswagen, and I'll take you up there right now. But we got to do it. I said, no, you ain't got to go home. You ain't got to do anything. Get in this for And I took them to our camp and kept them there, and they got their lives straightened out. Now, listen to me. I'm going to be in heaven one day with them same guys. Think about that. We're going to be sitting in heaven together. That's the grace of God. You take the cleanest person you know, 
You take the vilest, wickedest person you know, if they get saved by the grace of God, they're just as much of a child of God as you are. And one of these days we're going to sit together in heaven together and we're going to rejoice about the grace of God. I can't help but to think about I, my wife never did hear me cuss much because I didn't cuss around my wife and my kids. But before I got saved, I had 22 Masons working for me in the masonry business. And I read, that's no excuse. But it's like one old man told me one day, I said, our job listening to me. He said, son, you know what's the matter with you? You don't have the vocabulary to carry on a deeper conversation. And I wanted to hit him on my level about that time. But uh, uh, it's the truth. I didn't have a vocabulary. And I'd cuss God. I'd cuss everything in the world and holler at those men like crazy. And then I got saved by God's grace. And God took that mess away from me. I couldn't stop. It was a habit. And it's just something I did. And I think about, every once in a while I think about, I cuss God's name. I took God's name in vain. I used Jesus' name in vain. I would hear a preacher preach on, Dr. Oliver B. Green used to come on the radio, and I'd have a radio on the old hillbilly station playing wide open as we was working, and I'd hear him come on and singing, and Dr. Oliver B. Green would come on at 12 o'clock every day, and he'd come on by grace, you say, through faith, and that not yourself, it's a gift of God. And I'd holler, turn off that nut till he gets through preaching and then get back to our music. And somebody turned it off. And then I got saved. I love the Word of God. I love preaching. And I look back on it. I cussed God's name. I cussed Jesus' name. I didn't want to hear the Bible. I didn't want to hear a preacher. I didn't want anything to do with God back those days. And now I'm saved. Now I'm going to heaven. By God's grace. You can only contribute that to one thing. The grace of God. Amen. You think about that. God, holy God, why, He could have snuffed me out any time He wanted to. Amen? He could have just said, you're not anymore, and that's the end of you. Amen? But He didn't. I was almost drowned in three times. I've been shot at. I, I was in a gang one night. A guy had a hand grenade, and another one had a gun, and I met them all out in the blue sinkhole to fight one night. And I never will forget it. By all rights, I should have been dead. But God let me live till I was 26 years old. And let me come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace. Amen. I didn't deserve that. And by the way, neither do you or anybody else deserve the grace of God. But when you read this little story, you got to go all the way back and follow it all the way through. Here's a little maiden trying to get away from the enemies of God. She drops this little boy, and he's crippled in his feet. He can't walk right. He can't do anything to help himself. And David one day says, Is anybody here for Jonathan's sake? I love Jonathan. Is anybody left of his family that I can be a blessing to? And they said, yeah, there's one little boy down there in the loaded bar that's crippled on his feet. He said, fetch him. You know what that means? Go get him. Bring him to me. And Zeba, a type of the Holy Spirit, 
which God sends Holy Spirit to fetch you to Christ. And God sent Ziba down there and said, go get him and bring him to me. And he brought him to David and he said, now, I'm going to bless you for Jonathan's sake. Amen. And for the rest of his life on this earth, he ate at the king's table. I've been eating at the king's table ever since I got saved. Amen. Amen. I've been feasting on the goodness of the Lord ever since the day I got saved. That's by the grace of God. I laugh at these young people, not just young people. I don't know why I always go there, but it's not just young people. Most people today, or a lot of people today, you try to talk to about the Lord, and uh, you just can't. It seems like they think they're going to lose something. They think you're going to take away something from them. No. Man, I've, I've lived the most happiest life since I got saved and had one of the best life that you could ever have on the face of this earth since I got saved, and only by the grace of God. And I can invite anybody, lay down your sins and come to the Lord. He wants to save your soul. Amen. And once He does, He'll take care of you the rest of your life. He'll feed you. He'll take care of you if you'll just rely on Him. You can't take care of yourself like you ought to, but God can. Amen. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank You for the simple plan of salvation. Thank You for the illustrations over and over again that You give us by the grace of God. When I think of this story, Lord, I, I can't help but to think about Noah. And You told Noah to build an ark and get in it. But You said, come in it, because You was already there. And how You blessed him and watched over him. Not for his sake, but for Jesus' sake. And a story after story after story given us of the grace of God. And Father, I pray, help somebody today understand that we're not saved by what we do. We're saved because you loved us first and sent your Son to die for us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing something, please, sir. Turn to page 383, please. Let's sing it for a second. Page 383.